Hey everybody, this is Andrew Shaver, your host here on When We Wake. Today, I'm chatting with Daryl James. And man, it was such a pleasure to chat with Daryl. You might know Daryl as the bassist and one of the songwriters in the Strumbellas. You know the band. Got guns in my head and they won't go. Spirits in my head. You know the one. He co-wrote that. Or maybe you already know him as Close Kicks, the moniker he uses for his solo releases. The second of which, Colors, came into the world earlier this spring. In this chat, Daryl opens up about the passing of his mother, his path to sobriety, co-writing with Kevin Griffin of Better Than Ezra, his love of architecture, and so much more. Here's my chat with Daryl James of Close Kicks. How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. And yourself? I'm great. I'm great. I'm loving, I'm loving the room you're in. Is that a home studio? Yeah, in the basement, I got a, you know, I've decorated it with some foam and trying to make uh, things sound great. So, you know, it's a, it, it does the trick, you know. Hey, look, I see some art on the wall. What are we, what are we looking at there over your, uh, well, I never know if that, that'd be your left shoulder. Yeah, this is my daughter's artwork. Two, I have two daughters. One's 12, one's nine. And then this piece, uh, a friend of ours, my wife and I traveled through Guatemala uh, before we had kids and that was a picture that we had taken and then he painted it for us oh wow that's wonderful what's the backdrop i can i can see the two of you you know the the, the two of you have your arms around each other your head is leaning in tilted uh, touching your wife's head What what's in the background there uh we were on a lake just in northern guatemala just kind of like doing a boat ride just kind of hanging out yeah enjoying uh we were like one of the only tourists to go swimming in the lake it's like everyone was like don't go in there man it's dirty you're like can't be that bad you know like well look you you subsequent to, to swimming in that disgusting lake you managed to have two kids so it really couldn't have been that bad yeah well i have three actually oh no kidding i have a three-year-old boy as well so. hey right on yeah we had him later so that our older daughters could babysit him that was the whole plan look yeah. i've got a, a 20 month old and uh nice. the babysitting rate has sure skyrocketed since i was 12 years old doing it for a toonie well before toonies were toonies doing it i didn't think it was before loonies doing it for two one dollar bills <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like we encourage our 12 year old to babysit because we're like, man, the money you're making is like you're you're crushing it right now. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. That's great, man. Yeah, it's really good. Congrats on uh, the second the second album as Close Kicks. Yeah, thanks for having me here. It's such a pleasure to be able to speak to you. Um, I mean, you're you're such a, a gifted, prolific songwriter. Oh, man. Who are your songwriters that you uh, that you look up to most that you'd be like, I'd love to get on the other end of a Zoom with? Oh man, I, I feel like that, that list could be endless. Like, um, you know, like there's like the, you know, the big players, like the Sam Hollanders of this world who, you know, wrote with like Panic of the Disco. And then um, I was lucky enough on the first single I wrote was um, The House We Built. I wrote with Kevin Griffin from Better Than Ezra, who, you know, co coincidentally, I was a huge fan of in the 90s. And what do you mean coincidentally? <laughs> well, like you didn't seek that out? Like you the 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 co-writer no actually i was like literally this was like pre-pan just before the pandemic i had planned to go to nashville for a writing session and it was in april so i had all these through my publisher had all these sessions lined up and was like so stoked to go and then it was like you know pandemic hits i'm like okay guess i'm not going to nashville and then i uh, it kind of you know at that time it was like okay zoom song rights or facetime song rights all of a sudden became like relevant right and it was just like well do you want to rearrange all these different sessions i got a couple extra sessions 
And sure enough, Kevin was one of the ones that was added remotely. And we that was, I think, the first song I had ever written remotely on Zoom. And that was kind of something we put together in like three hours. And it was just like... Walk me through that Zoom. Uh, the first time you you write a song remotely over Zoom with someone. Yeah, lucky enough, Kevin is just like a guy that has like just this like the best personality. Mm. And... Yeah, he just has that Southern hospitality, you know, he just made you feel sort of like you'd known each other forever. So we just sort of were like, okay, like, how do we start this? And I threw a couple melodies out, he threw a couple melodies out. And then it was like, oh, wait, how about we just like piece those two together for the chorus? Oh, that's cool. And then, you know, the verse kind of came a little bit later, just kind of naturally while we were sort of jamming out. And it was just like, oh, man. And then the story just started making sense. And, you know, we were in a lot of sense, like looking at like our lives as dads in the band and right. growing something big, something that's bigger than yourself, mm. you know, and that's like your home. That's that's this like thing you've created, like, you know, your family or anything else. But when you have art or you have a band and you know how hard it is to create something like that, which him and I were both going through at the time, mm. you know, we're also like you know at that time sort of writing in the world of like sync like at that time no one was touring either so we're like how you know what are we gonna write about or talk about so like the the sync world became relevant to us as well as we were you know sitting on our couches for the first six weeks and wondering like what the future looked like as as a touring musician right so a, a sync is when a when a song gets placed in a, a television show or, a, or a, a commercial of some kind or a movie absolutely You've had some 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 really exciting syncs. You had uh, uh, some syncs with the with MLB and more specifically the Toronto Blue Jays, haven't you? What what's tell me about that? Yeah, so the house we built that song was obviously made sense. It was um it was kind of funny. It was used for the Hall of Fame introduction ceremonies. Who got inducted in that year? No one. Okay, right in twenty twenty. <laughs> 2020 yeah oh my god no one some house you built it was hilarious <laughs> i was like oh my god it's amazing and then no one got inducted i was like oh dear what oh man uh strangely enough though i just got back literally yesterday i watched the game uh i took my daughter to gymnastics camp in pennsylvania wow with a couple dads our three daughters went and then we decided to go catch a triple a baseball game in Reading, pennsylvania and then we went to a pirates game and I, I don't think I've been to a baseball game in like 20 years. Like, I like the Jays, but I don't often go. But it was like, oh, man, maybe I'd love baseball again. Because it was like such an amazing triple, like, the, especially the triple A uh, stadium was just like built in 1950. Like, you know, it's 7,500 people show up on a Sunday right. for a triple A game in the United States. It's just a whole other world of sport enthusiasm down there man that sounds like a dream trip yeah three rivers in pittsburgh that's a gorgeous stadium that's one of the nicest backdrops in uh, in all of major league baseball it was unbelievable like and it looked brand new like the state we were in there and we're like you know my friend and i are kind of like you know we love building and structures and history and we're like we're looking around we're like there's no like this place, did they did they build it a year ago? Like, there's no pigeons in here. It's like an open air stadium. Like, <laughs> pretty crazy. You, you're you're saying you and your buddy uh, are into architecture and buildings, and where's that where's that come from for you? Uh, your love of architecture? Uh, it, travel. Have you done some travel with uh, with a rock and roll band in your life? I've done lots of travel with the rock and roll band. <laughs> We've traveled to like you know Egypt and New Zealand and Australia and Thailand and. Um, yeah, we've just been in, like, I've always been a huge fan of like understanding property and like, 
you know, when people buy property in other countries versus like what you have here and like, you know, how they built, you know, you go to the pyramids and you're like, how the heck did you build this? Yeah, sure. I think it's really interesting to see how people live in different countries and and what it is the cost the cost of living in different countries. And, you know, maybe sometimes how little you need to be comfortable in a beautiful house is that why you only have two pieces of foam on your wall because you thought i mean i I have more than enough two 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 is largely sufficient for this studio i think i was just putting it up because i bought it and i needed to put it somewhere right Right. did you grow up in a musical house i did not um you know my mom was a huge music fan and like listened to music all the time and was like the craziest dancer and wanted to like just move to music. So, you know, every weekend I was introduced, you know, she had a record player when I was young and listening to Beatles records and stuff like that. So I have a pretty extensive vinyl collection. Gifted from your mother? Some of them. um, But I think, you know, some of them got lost along the way or, or, you know, gone along the way. But I definitely, uh, I took over her system initially. That was my first system, her table, speakers, and then eventually got some better stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I was, uh, I learned acoustic guitar when I was about 19 or 20. Um, just, it was actually Simon Ward in the Strombellas, his brother and I were friends and he kind of taught me like, you know, GC and D and did that for fun, you know, for 10 years. Uh, My friend Eli mentioned Simon moved to the city. We started, you know, we would always do dinners. We would jam two chords, try to solo, but I kind of learned the idea of like doing different, uh, you know, starting to put melody behind, you know, some chord ideas through Simon. Like he was just such a prolific songwriter and that's really how he started. So, um, you know, it just happened to be, we were hanging out a lot and when he wanted to start the Strombellas, uh, I was like there. And I, I think the first couple of jams, I kind of played like ukulele and didn't really know where my place in the band was, but I was, mm. yeah, I was like, I want to do this so bad, you know? And then there was no bassist at the time. And I, I remember a call, I was like in Montreal with my wife and I like called him and I was like, dude, like, I just really want to be in this band. Like, is there any way, like, I can just, I'll figure out bass. <laughs> There's nine people in this band. I don't need to like be crazy bass player. I just, I'll just hit whole notes on the route, you know, and that's it. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, yeah, man, I love jamming with you. Let's do it. And that, you know, 30 years old, my first band, first time playing bass is the Strombellas. Oh man, that's rad. What a story, huh? What, what were you doing before you were playing bass and playing ukulele? Uh, but what were you doing for, for, you know, a living? What, what, what was your life like? Um, I went to the University of Guelph for horticulture, technically, Mm. um, and I worked in the golf industry on the maintenance side of the golf industry. So, you know, uh, you know, maintaining the grounds like the golf greens, the turf, uh, the trees and all that. So I'd done that for a number of years. And then what gave me the flexibility in the band to continue to pursue music was I I got I created my own consulting company. I kind of got sick of the 5 a.m. starts and in the summer you were always gone you couldn't enjoy a cottage because like that's peak time for golf course so you're always working so I kind of got out of the being on the course and became a consultant and worked a lot with like the efficiency of irrigation systems and I did some like GPSing of trees like I go in and GPS all of their trees on the property and then be able to say like you have 20 percent maple trees and you know, 10% oak trees and and it would map it on like GIS systems and stuff. Wow. So I was lucky because when the band started doing like these tours early on and going away, like I could always be like, well, I'm available. Like I'll just push my work a week, right. which 
inevitably, you know, kind of hurt me in some ways, because in some ways the music was becoming a, more of a priority than my own business. Um, but then lucky enough, you know, we had success with spirits and like, that was kind of the turning point that allowed me to put my business to rest or my turf business to rest. You turfed the turf, so to speak. I very much turfed the turf and was happy. I did it for 18 years. I think. Wow. Yeah. That's a career, man. Yeah. That's a whole act. That's an act and a half. I'd say of a life. I put my time in and I was ready. I do not miss getting up at 4am. No kidding, man. <laughs> Your youngest is three. So, yeah, you're not getting up at 4 a.m. anymore. You, you should be fine, huh? I'm doing okay. But three kids, you know, I don't know if you ever really get men much sleep, which I'm sure you're experiencing with a 21-year-old. Like, it, it definitely, your your sleeping is never the same. That's I was going to say, that's good to hear. But it's not edifying in the least to hear that uh, 12 years in, your sleep is still not the same. Okay. That's uh, <laughs> that's rather disappointing to a, to a new dad. <laughs> Well, the more you have, the more seems to be there. There, you know, someone's sick or someone had a nightmare, or it just seems like, oh man, what? It's like, what now? Right. Uh, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's it's definitely like a. It's an honor to be their dad. Yeah, it being a dad is a real is a, is a real gift, isn't it? It is absolutely. You mentioned your mother earlier. I'm I'm sorry to. Uh, to have, to have learned of her passing that must be uh must be really really tough yeah yeah my mom was uh diagnosed with stage four melanoma about a year ago and uh you know we luckily with many advancements in treatment we got like a year um she may probably wouldn't have had that long um yeah it's been really hard but um my mom was like it was like so crazy because like even like, you know, when I was starting the band, like even before I was even like really writing songs and like singing a lot personally on my own, my mom was always like, you should just like write your own songs and like sing on your own. And I was like, I, I, I don't even like I don't even write songs yet because I didn't really write start writing a lot until I was, you know, I was contributing to the band in ways I could, but like really taking it serious until I was maybe like 35, 36 or so five, six years into the band. And my mom before that was like sort of recognizing that I should do it. And then, you know, the whole time I was writing, like my mom was that first person I sent the demo and was like always listening and always like encouraging me. And like, you know, when I had the opportunity to write this EP on my own, I was kind of really writing it the whole time she was sick. And I just kind of like it was really like a good release for me mentally to like go there and just kind of like get my mind off of, you know, what was happening to her and the struggles she was going with because my sister and I were really involved in her care. No kidding. You know, I was really fortunate enough to like get that EP done and, um, you know, slightly before her passing was able to like, you know, show her the EP. Mm. And she was just like beyond proud of, you know, it's kind of like she's like, I told you so. Like, I knew you could do all these things on your own. Like, you didn't need to write with other people. You you could do this. And, um, you know, and that's why I'm like promoting it now and wanting to like take it as far as I can, because I feel like she's sort of that like guiding angel to sort of be like dude, you got to do this, you know, and, you know, it's just like it honors, I feel like it's honoring her, which is uh, very important to me. You've got that little extra kick to to really, really get this one out there, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It mm -hmm. just felt it, it feels right. And um, yeah, and it, I'm just really proud because um, in amongst it, I, I, you know, sort of took on sobriety. I've been eight months now. It was a really important point in my life to like, you know, with the stress of my mom and and trying to I just don't know if I could have like dealt with everything mm. going on and, and even finish this EP like without the sobriety in my life. Like it really has made 
such important changes for me. And, uh, I, you know, I'm continuing forward with it because I'm just feeling so positive with like how I feel and, and what I've been able to accomplish, uh, at this, this time in my life and, and deal with, like, it's been hard to deal with my mom, but I think I really had to face all of my emotions head on, uh, without any sort of like, uh, any sort of medication to like get over the pain or this, you know, the, the grief I was feeling, I really had to like deal with it. And I really had to face it even in the final days with mom, I had to face it with her. And uh, I, I feel like it's uh, allowed me to sort of deal with the grief far better than maybe I hadn't, you know? Wow. Yeah. Were you there in the final moments? I was, yeah. Um, my mom chose to, to, to do made the medical assistance in dying. Um, she was in, you know, it was kind of like a matter of time at that point. Her liver was failing because uh, the cancer had spread to her liver. And, um, you know, it wasn't kind of, it wasn't, it, you know, it was like, we're just kind of waiting, right? And she wasn't having, she was no longer having good days. It was kind of moments. You might, you might be able to kind of get a 10 or 15 minutes of time with her. Um, so she chose to, to chose that process and uh, very courageous um so yeah i was able to be uh at her bedside with many family and um, wow. we had pictures up we had music playing we were surrounding her we gave her hugs and kisses and mm. and we watched her go and it was like a very powerful like one probably one of the most powerful things i've ever experienced yeah my goodness it sounds like it you know i'm, I'm on one hand I'm i'm terribly sorry but on the other hand that sounds like to have that experience with your mother and your family and your loved ones and to have to have her go like that it's it, it does sound like a, a a beautiful a beautiful send-off yeah I, I i you're exactly right and i think that's a perspective for me that i've had tried to take is because um not everyone gets that and i feel fortunate you know sometimes you know i know people or friends that their parents have passed quickly and they didn't get to to say goodbye or or to deal that so i i had a lot of opportunities to talk to my mom and say the things i needed to and then to be able to say goodbye in that moment you know it's hard but i feel very fortunate that all of those pieces for me i feel you know aren't, aren't what a lot of people get so i i'm trying i really do honor the fact that i had that and, and really do appreciate it now i'm, I'm not asking you what what you said to your mom at all, but what I what I would be curious about is having been given that uh, opportunity, what you might say to other people who uh, inevitably are, are are you know some people are going to experience this and go through what you went through in some in some regard. Yeah, um, you know, it's kind of it's very multi dimensional because I think there's you know I I did care for my mom for the year and I was very active in that care of taking her to appointments to talking to doctors to researching everything for, um, you know so I think in those final moments it's just you know more how I I was just going to miss her mm. and you know I think I, I you know luckily enough I think with my mom I didn't have like any um, you know, I guess like things that I was holding back because we had like, you know, difficulty with our relationship. Like obviously with parents, there's different frustrations, but my mom was always an amazing grandmother and there every minute. So I think I was fortunate again, not to have to like, you know, try to resolve something in the moment. I just think I kept being like devastated that she'd be gone, but she was always like, I'm going to be here. Like I'll never be far away. 
and my mom was really spiritual so you know i think there was like my sister and i have like seen signs from my mom that we whether it's true or not it's like if man it feels really good you know you want to say everything to your parents you can you just want to be as honest as you can how much you love them how much you care for them and just don't hold back like say what you need to say and i think like i said having you know shown her the music and being sober i did all those things and i just really like expressed her how much she meant to me and the kids and really reinforced that and uh yeah just don't don't hold back on your your love for your parents when if you have the opportunity to do that for sure that's beautiful Daryl. And, and i've heard you i've heard you say don't be scared to reach out to people that care for you to tell them that you're struggling people want to help yes if you see a friend struggling, don't be scared to go to them, to really ask them how they're doing and don't give up. And then just listen. Don't try to fix it. Yeah, 100%. Like, uh, I have such a wonderful community of friends in Lindsay that, you know, and my band as well, like the support that they gave me around my mom. And, uh, you know, I, I have friends that have gone through mental health issues and, you know, re and, and have been there for them and made those calls and went on those walks. and you know, have tried to do my own research and homework of like, how can I be there for someone that's going through what they're going through? And in all honesty, it is, it's just listening is really important because a lot of times they just want to talk. They don't need advice. They don't want advice. They just want to, to kind of like to be heard. And, and sometimes just saying the things they'll figure it out in their own head. So just to be there for the walk and to be there saying like, no, man, like and when they're denied, they're like, oh, I don't think I want to go today. It's like, no, 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 we, we we should go for this walk. Like, let's get out there. Like, and you make it a priority for them to go. And, and I had that in my community with as I was grieving, like I have some really, really good friends in my community and, and they're like brothers to me that um, just come over or brought me something or brought food for the family or you know, there's, we'd show up at their store. They, they have, uh, you know, they have a little sandwich coffee shop. We'd show up and we just have credit. They'd be like, nope, it's covered. You know, just like just so many little things in this small town that you appreciate. And um, yeah, it's just so important. It's just everything you, you, you don't need to, to grieve or to deal with mental health issues on your own. And it, it's, 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 it's a really like humbling to be on both sides of it, to be the support system those and then on the other side being like you know in receiving of the support uh i think i've had that in the last couple of years on both sides of it and uh mm. it's it's it touches you you just feel it in your soul mm. you know it's just like it feels really good why do you think it is so hard for people on either side of that equation to do what you're what you're saying to 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 just reach out and, and be there well you know i think there's it's a we live busy lives and and it's just also emotions are hard, man. Like, you know, when you have to like dig into the weeds and hear tough stories and um, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. And it, and it, I think in some ways, you know, it's easier to sort of just not have to deal with it. Um, but when you get into the weeds like that, it, I, there's just such a connection. There's such an spiritual energy, energy that becomes part of, you and the other person that uh it changes your life um in a really positive way so uh, but it's not easy and it, it, it there's good days and bad days to those you know not every day 
you're ready for it, some of that stuff, either to, you know, provide what you're going through or to listen what someone's going through. And, um, you know, but it's something that you just have to kind of stick with, like, you know, and me, that's really my personality for music. Like I started at 30, like, I just like to like never give up on things, know that it's never going to be fixed on day one. It's like about the long-term effort. Yeah. And if you're always there, like in the same, if I'm always writing and promoting, getting to know people, that stuff starts to happen. And I saw that in the Strombellas and I'm trying that with close kicks. And I find it's the same with your friendships and these relationships. Like if you keep showing up and being there, um, you know, there's a benefit long-term to that and it's good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to say, I'm, I really appreciate your openness and your vulnerability, your honesty. It means, it means a lot to, uh, to me to, to be able to speak to you about it. Thank you. No, it's, it definitely, uh, you know, a little, I was feeling very emotional there. I'm like, am I going to cry here? I might, <laughs> I might break down, but, um, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's important to be vulnerable and, um, it's, this is, uh, yeah, kind of a first for me and it's kind of scary, but, uh, but it feels good. I, I really enjoy this. It, it's kind of like, it's almost like therapy a little bit, you know, you kind of get to express your emotions. So, um, no, thank you for asking these questions. It, it's really great. Of course. Uh, I'm reminded about something that I've heard you say, which is about songwriting, which is that I, I always have doubts. It's an important part of keeping the momentum moving forward. If you never doubt yourself, then you're probably not engaging people musically. There's something about, again, that vulnerability, about being open, about saying, I don't know if I have all the answers, and that's maybe what's the most exciting part of this moment right now. Absolutely. Like, I, yeah, like songwriting, you know, there's some a somewhat of a formula, like verse, chorus, bridge, chorus sort of thing, if you want to go down that world. But yeah, like I uh, following your heart and what you think feels good and... uh that is terrifying because like I, I've showed, I showed many of the demos to different people along the way. And, and in over the years in the Strombellas we have, and people just don't, you know, they don't, they're like, ah, eh, it's okay. Like, I don't see it, but like, you have to love what you've created first and foremost. And, um, you know, the, the it's just a constant doubt, even to this day, it's, you know, this EP and these songs and like, you know, could I have done it better? Could that lyric could been better? But at the end of the day, you know, I had to follow at that time what I thought was right. And I, you know, I could have sat on it for years and years and years. And I think there is a point where you're just like, you know what, this is the piece of art that I created at this time in my life. And I'm, and I think I have to show it off now. And I know that the next piece will be hopefully better and more, and I'll make those adjustments that I think I need to make. But this is who I am and what I want to say right now. And I think I need to respect that and mm-hmm. and work through it and learn from it. And 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 I think that's kind of um what I've known even in the Strombellas. I know a lot of artists that just it's hard to get the material out. It's never perfect enough. Um, and I think I've been maybe lucky enough because I started at a later age and I'm just maybe like I don't have enough theory or knowledge of music because I don't have any of the teachings. It's just all so much based on you know how it feels to me and does it feel good is it feeling right have i said how i want to say what i want to say and and then just trusting in that and obviously yeah you love for people to give you feedback and and listen to it and and do all those different things but first and foremost as an artist and as a songwriter 
being especially on this album particularly the cp i did it all my own right i didn't have a co-writer to bounce ideas off i had to you know like on my lead single never going to give this up like that verse took me forever to write did it i just had so many different melodies and the chorus was there but it just nothing was making sense and then i remember writing that verse i don't even remember writing that verse i actually like did a whole bunch of like you know takes with like kind of no lyrics and just like laid out a melody and had all these particular takes i think a week later i went back to the session and was like oh man there's what is that verse? Like, I don't even remember doing that. Like, I really, I, yeah, I had no recollection of like, just cause I think I was trying so many different things and I just like got frustrated and just like closed the computer, closed the song away and worked on others and then came back to it. I was like, Oh man, uh -huh. wow, there it is. Like, where did that come from? Um, and then I just had to sort of build ideas around it. So that this growth for me to do all this on my own, to produce the mm. ideas and, and get it to a point. Like I, I think mentioned that, you know, I had some local players come and play drums and recorded at a local studio and guitars. So I had all those ideas laid out and basically just went to these players and just said, listen, like, here's the foundation. Here's where I want this to go. But I also want you to add your personality. And uh, that inevitably just for me took the songs personally to like, OK, whoa, here they are now. Like, these are my ideas, but with someone else's character. What a feeling. Oh, it was like, you know, and I was sitting sort of in the producer's chair in the studio and, yeah. you know, I had been had the, you know, I've worked with some amazing producers and with Instrum Bellas. So I've sat in those chairs, you know, seen those guys working. So to be then in that same position and to hear parts and develop things uh, once the songs were kind of in a good place, it it was it was just like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to get these songs. Now. And then to learn, I imagine that you can do that that you can be the guy in that chair yeah. just because you hadn't before. doesn't mean you, you, you're unable to <laughs> yeah. all of these. Yeah. It's like in that, I think that's exactly how I started to feel of being like, okay, I've, I've been doing this a long time now. And like, I'm at a point where I can write and produce my own records. And I don't know if I want to eventually become like a producer for bands and stuff, but if the right opportunity comes and the songs make sense to me and they hit me in that, that sweet spot right in the heart that I, that the feeling is there, then, then I, I at least have the skill set to be able to take that opportunity on. Daryl, uh, I'm about to get cut off. <laughs> I'm literally down to less than a minute. I don't even know. I can't even see the clock ticking down anymore. <laughs> That's okay. It's been really great speaking with you today, Daryl. Uh, it was an honor, Andrew. Thank you. It was just a wonderful chat and uh, really appreciate it, man. So fun. I've never been proud about you I'm scared to understand why I always sit from the pain inside and it aches inside my head damn I'm jealous too it's not just you
from his second EP, entitled Colors, that's Daryl James, aka Close Kicks, with Somewhere Lost. Thanks for listening to today's episode. When We Wake is written, produced, and hosted by me, Andrew Shaver, originally for broadcast on CKVE-FM on the glorious south shore of Nova Scotia. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at whenwewakeradio at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at whenwewakeradio.com.